This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns, our first of the 2021 offseason. I am Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora. I have the pleasure, the honor, the duty to do this with the man with the football brains, Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL. And we appreciate you guys hopping back on with us. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We're going to be doing this every couple of weeks or so. At least that's the plan for now in the offseason. Obviously, if there's a ton going on um, in a week where maybe we weren't originally scheduled to do it, we certainly will hop on again. But if you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. I will be picking Baldy's brain today about this offseason. We'll talk about the J.J. Watt move. We will talk about some of the quarterback moves that might happen or might not happen. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, certainly among them. We will talk about the free agent class of pass rushers and some guys who've caught Baldy's eye. And I may throw a few names at Baldy. Guys, I'm kind of looking at as value play free agents as well. Baldy, we were able to talk a little bit off air. I know you are refreshed. You are roaring to go. You are ready to dive in deeply into what has already been a fascinating offseason. And we're still two weeks from the league year starting. Well, it's been three weeks, you know, since the Super Bowl, since we last, uh, you know, got together, Jason. And it's, uh, the, you know, the amount of news that has mounted yes. already is pretty substantial. And I feel like um, because the combine will be virtual, um, the workouts will be different. Uh, I just feel like every bit of news that comes, that just, you know, surfaces is going to be talked about. Ad nauseum. I just feel like teams right now, and I and I I go back to the Super Bowl, Jason, and I just feel like I, I, I we realize that Tom Brady is different than just about any other quarterback that's ever played. But when you can change teams after 20 years and take a team to a Super Bowl, I think other teams, whether it's the Rams with you know Matt Stafford mm-hmm. right now, the Colts with Carson Wentz, I mean, whatever might happen with. Russell Wilson, you were the first to report that over the Super Bowl about yep. you know, just a growing schism between Russell's idea about how to play quarterback and what Pete Carroll wants to do in the organization. On and on and on. I, I just feel like teams watch Tom Brady and go, wait, we this this isn't this maybe this is the designated hitter. Maybe you just got to put a great player in a great system and coach him up and you can win championships and you don't have to wait. And so I just think. Teams are looking to you know acquire a great player right now, regardless of the compensation. I, I think that's all possible this offseason. And so we're all waiting for that kind of news. Just like we heard yesterday when, you know, this is being recorded on Wednesday, but you know, just when JJ Watt decides to sign with Arizona and how it sort of catches people by surprise, that's what we're here for, Jason, because yeah. the news will just keep on coming. Well, let's start with JJ Watt, Baldy. Um there were some reports that multiple teams were willing to pay him $16 million a year. I called poppycock on that in real time. Um, the reality is we don't know exactly what the cap's going to be. Um, 
there are teams that have reservations about J.J. Watt's body at this stage of the game and durability, even though I know he did play a 1,000 snaps last year. Um, there, we're about to have a market that's going to be flooded and, and, and glutted with free agents and guys who become free agents because they're cap casualties. And the good teams that, that, that people were linking him to, and I think a lot of it was alertly, smartly, smoke screens from his agent, but you know, Green Bay wasn't going to break the bank for J.J. Watt. The Steelers can't if they tried. They don't have the cap maneuverability. I think the Browns were a useful team for Watt to use as a sort of Trojan horse, Um, but I think they want to go younger. They want to find an edge guy who might be there two, three, four years. You know, they're not necessarily a J.J. Watt away from winning the Super Bowl. Ultimately, he took the best financial deal he could get, Baldy, now, knowing when the market opens two weeks from now, it's probably going to be worse for me and not better. I think that's just the reality of where he is at this point in his career. Arizona was the best bird in hand. He took it. I, I, and, I and I agree. I agree that, you know, I think Jason – I mean, look, there, there's a lot of players that just don't really – they're not in touch with just where their body is. They lie to themselves all the time. I think J.J. Watt, with time that he has missed, which is significant, three significant injuries in the last five years. I mean, he's not the same player that he was when he was a three-time defensive player of the year. To start, you know, looking back at his sack totals when he was putting up 20 sacks a year is kind of ridiculous. Like, I, I, I don't think that that is going to happen again. And so I think... You know, the teams that are are building, are, are growing, uh, like Cleveland, I, I'm with you. I mean, there's a lot of other guys out there that would intrigue me more because of the upside, um, the, the, the health factor, and where they're at right now in their careers that really could help them. And $60 million or, you know, the, the, the amount of money, $30 million basically over two years, whatever exactly it is, um, that's still a lot of money into one player in a, a season that the salary cap is certainly going to be down, maybe not as much as what a lot of people thought, but it's still going to be down. And so, look, Arizona makes some sense to him. Vance Joseph is there. He knows him. He mm-hmm. was in Houston for three years. Uh, whether Chandler Jones comes back or not, it'd be, you know, whether it's Chandler Jones or Hassan Reddick on the other side, it'd be nice to have somebody that can, you know, also flush the quarterback on their own. And help him out. And look, I mean, you've got Buda Baker and, you know, you've got DeAndre Hopkins. You've got some star power on that football team. Um, you know, they, they finished 8-8, eight and eight, probably fell off a little bit to where some people might have thought they were going to end up at the middle of the season. They're in a highly competitive division. Uh, I, I, I think it's a good, solid move for J.J., and I'm with you. I think if he waited this out, I think the offers were going to were simply not going to be there. And I think – Knowing what has happened to him in three of the last five years, mm-hmm. I think he's got to feel pretty good about where he's at right now. I think one other part of this as well, Baldy, and maybe he thought about it, maybe it was subconscious, or maybe this is just me trying to be Ziggy Freud. But if you go to Arizona and it, you kind of flame out, right? Like kind mm-hmm. of like Emmett Smith did, you know? I think yeah. people kind of expect that. Like, you go there to quasi-retire. If you catch lightning in a bottle, great. If you don't, 
okay, we've seen that movie before. It was worth a shot. If that happens in Cleveland, where they're on the upswing, where they made the playoffs for the first time in forever and beat the snot out of their rivals and, and gave Kansas City a game, and you bring in J.J. Watt and it ends up being your signature, your biggest offseason move, and he gets hurt in week three, that's going to be a different fan experience. That's going to be a different vibe. That's going to yeah. be a different media experience, right? I mean, you were a player. Like, yeah. that's a whole different thing. Wait, wait a minute. You, you let the dog pound down. Uh, no, look, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much uh, J.J. thought about that. But it's it's it certainly is there's truth to it. There just is. And uh, you can, you know, there's, there's times now – Things have changed since, you know, DeAndre Hopkins signed and Kyler Murray was the first pick and the offense has been turned around to a large degree. Um, you know, there, there was a, a period where you were in the witness protection program <laughs> when you played in Arizona, right. when you went to Detroit. I mean, there's and look, I, I, you, you, you can say that I'm not to those organizations, but it's just the truth. And so, yes, they're, they're not a prime time uh, program you know, on the network channels that are, you know, battling right now as we speak to uh, come up with a new television contract, you know, to kind of pave the way for the next 10 years. So, yes, I mean, it's a witness protection program and you can you 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 can kind of bow out gracefully if things don't work out for you. Yeah, and it'll it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out if they keep them on a pitch count. A public service announcement: You should keep them on a pitch count, um, and 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 what that team does this year if they can take the next step. We'll stay in that division, Baldy. You mentioned uh, Russ Wilson in your opening results, and Tom Brady kind of calling his shot, a la Babe Ruth, and and hitting your yeah. grand slam. And Russell saw it with his own eyes because. Russ was at the game, and we saw him sitting yeah. in the booth with Sierra and and Roger Goodell, and he received his Walter Payton Man of the Year award before the game. and And he's a football junkie. He watched he watched the playoffs, you know. And Baldy, he saw Peyton Manning at the end call his own shot. And while Russ yeah. beat him in the Super Bowl, Peyton still got uh, another Lombardi Trophy as a game and, and manager. While and while you're on this path, Jason, he wants to be. Both of those guys. Yes. He wants badly to be in the same company as Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. That's who he wants to be. And there's a fraternity there. And I, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, but like he communicates with Aaron Rodgers. He communicates with Tom Brady. He communicates with Peyton Manning. And there's a lot of people. And he saw what Aaron Rodgers has done sort of passive aggressively or at times just flat out what he's been willing to say to kind of nudge that organization or put them on notice at the very least. And 10 years in, I think Russ has found his voice a little bit, Baldy. And um, whether people agree or disagree, when you have had the level of success he's had and when you're now approaching your mid-30s, and you don't get up as easy from those kill shots as you used to, and you're looking and saying, damn, I got sacked 35 more times this year, and some of it's on me, but not all of it is, and you know the coach in his heart wants to put assets into the defense and run the football, and they've never really figured out a five-man unit in front of me that has some longevity, that that is anything close to elite, 
and you start seeing your football mortality a little bit, even though you think you got 10 or 12 more years in your body. But each year that goes by, you can't buy it back. And that's where we sit. And I'm not saying that Russ will definitely be traded by the draft, but I feel pretty strongly that the winds continue to blow in a direction where I don't think Russell Wilson's retiring as Seattle Seahawks. Well, uh, you know, so when Russell Wilson got extended two years ago, Jason, he was the highest paid quarterback in the league for that moment. Yes. Uh, we know how fleeting those moments yeah. are. Okay, so by, but, but regardless, he's, he's, he's been the highest paid guy. He's been to the playoffs eight out of nine years. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two. He knows right now that it's really his more his his uh, imprint on this game is only going to be measured by how he plays in January and February. And if he doesn't feel like Seattle is really stepping up to the plate right now, the way that he feels you have to play the game. Um, because of the way Pete Carroll believes that you win games, yep. and they're, they're, that, 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 is a, that is a philosophical divide that will never, ever get united. And so when Pete Carroll saw Seattle loss, you know, lose two games in a row, including to Arizona, mm-hmm. and he threw seven interceptions, and Pete Carroll was like, he doesn't recognize, when he says, quote, I don't recognize that offense. I don't recognize this team. Like, you, you know that, he doesn't want to air it out 45 times no. and take the deep shots to DK and put, you know, just put daggers in people's, you know, carotid arteries. Right. Like, that's not how he wants to play the game. It's a complete departure from, say, Bruce Arians. So, like, these guys, they're smart and savvy. And there's nobody smarter or more savvy than Russell in this whole business. He's as smart and savvy yes. as anybody. And so if – and, and really, if, John, if you're John Schneider or Pete Carroll, and you kind of feel this and you know what's going on, and you look at, say, the team that led the league in the fewest points surrendered for five years in a row, and how Pete Carroll built the Legion of Boom yeah. and a defensive front led by Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and a bunch of high-priced free agents, they can't do that anymore. They simply can't do it. Micah Potty retires. They're left yeah. guard. I mean – They've got one solid, really great player up front in Dwayne Brown. He's getting up I mean, there, he though. All this. And, you know, he doesn't want to destroy his offensive line. He's not who he is. But sometimes you got to say things, you know, and just to stir it up. And yep. if you're Schneider right now, Jason, I know we're going a long time on this. But no, this is good. You have, to feel, you have to feel the calls. Yes. You have to. Because you might have a chance to rebuild this thing exactly the way you want it. Look, I keep going back to the Raiders, you know, and look, it, it's easy to clown Mark Davis, and I'll be the first to say, when they're playing in literally a cesspool in Oakland and you think there's no viable option for him to get a stadium built and he aligns himself with the Chargers and the league says, no, we're going with Cronky's thing in, in Inglewood, we're not going with your uh, your, your mixed-use stadium in Carson, California, and he's kind of holding the bag. Uh, chasing John Gruden around every year and striking out, you're kind of like, where is this guy going? But you know what? He got his guy in Gruden. Whether it works, whether it doesn't work, he was willing to reset the compensation levels for head coaches to get his guy. And guess what? You could say that Sheldon Adelson did all the heavy lifting with that stadium in Vegas, and you'd be right. But he got somebody to build him a stadium for pennies on the dollar 
not skimping on the cost of the stadium in Vegas where he wanted to be. And he's got a roster on offense that is pretty intriguing. They got holes on defense, no doubt about it. But he has yet to make a signature on the field move, right? He wants to live up to some degree to his dad's image. He'll never sure. be his dad, and I think he gets that. But but he, he he feels like we need to reconnect with our history. What more iconic on-field move could he make than trading huh. the quarterback if Seattle wants Derek Carr? Three ones, uh, a couple of players, whatever. I really think there's potential. I know there's potential for something to happen between those two teams. Wow. Well, uh, it would, it would, it would, it would finally put to rest all of the subterfuge that goes on between every member of the media and what goes on between John Gruden and, and Derek Carr right now. And it would just put that to rest once and for all. And John Gruden would finally say, okay, we've got our leader, our court. I mean, there's just so many things that would get answered, you know, and we have seen Russell Wilson's ability to basically put teams on his back. Yes. um, You know, and carry football teams. And that's probably the guy that could do it um, as, you know, they open up Allegiant Stadium now to their, you know, worldwide fan base that they have. Yep. And nothing would juice that organization up or the city of Las Vegas up that desperately needs it than bringing in Russell Wilson. I mean, I could just see, I could just see the billboards right now, you know, of of Russell Wilson throughout Las Vegas. I mean, he would be right up there with, you know, some of the great entertainers, you know, that we have seen um, on those billboards from Wayne Newton on down over the last 50 years. Baldy, he leaves the stadium, he takes a shower, he I mean, he interviews with the media, he jumps in a limo, and by 5 o'clock, he's at yeah. Sierra's matinee show down the yeah. other end of the strip where she's got a month-long residency. Like, bro. Yeah. And Seattle, look, they if, if they want Carr, or even Mariota, they could have him. It's super team-friendly. It's pay-as-you-go. You get picks, you get a player or two. And I think somewhere in Pete Carroll's core, I have always got the sense, and you talked about the extension two years ago. Baldy, that wasn't hand in glove. That wasn't nothing to see here. It'll get done in a matter of moments. That thing got off the rails for a while. I think in Pete's mind, heart, somewhere, he always maybe sees Russ as a guy that he kind of sort of created, you know, or we – we knew him when he was a nobody coming out of Wisconsin, and we won our biggest games when he didn't have to ca- carry the team the way he's had to the last four or five years. And I just always get the sense that there might be a part of him that doesn't understand what this dude has become now and maybe isn't fully ready to acknowledge it the way you have to be a little more touchy-feely with a guy like that than you need to be with a camp chancellor. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, Jason, is uh, when when that contract, when you, and you said, went off the rails, it wasn't just, you know, sign on the dotted line, we're, we'll give you whatever you want. I actually thought that there was a hesitation on Schneider and Pete Carroll's agenda where they said, this, this has gone too far. Yeah. We can't build the team that we want. 
You know, we have to jettison Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman. We can't afford those guys with this contract any longer. And so I almost thought that Seattle was going to be the first team to say, we're not paying the superstar quarterback. We're going to reset it. We'll go back to the, the quarterback pool, whether it's free agency or the draft, and we'll continue to be able to build the team around the quarterback the way that we want. Big up front on the offensive mm-hmm. line, running back, you know, the star power on defense. And I thought that they might be the team that pushes back first. Now, now that they've done this for two years and they've seen where their team is, which is full of holes, um, you know, in just about, you know, in, in just about every place, uh, you, you go, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time where they, they, they did it. They did what the league says you have to do. Right. Pay the superstar quarterback. And this is, we're getting bounced out of the playoffs way too early. And so I, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's real, there, there's a lot of smoke here. Yeah. And there's real possibilities that I could see uh, Russell Wilson being shoehorned out of there. I am completely with you. The other front burner quarterback potential trade issue is obviously in Houston. This has been stewing and simmering for months. Um, I don't see them being able to put this genie back in the bottle, Baldy. And I also think in his heart of hearts, Nick Casario, if left to his own devices, if this wasn't a personal issue between an owner who he's only been working for for a matter of weeks and a quarterback um, who's been with that owner since his dad owned the team, that I think Nick Casario, being a Foxborough guy, spending his whole career in the Patriot way, Baldy, the GOAT wasn't bigger than the Patriots while he was there. No one's ever bigger than the team. We're going to pull Tom Brady down. We're going to coach him harder than everybody else. We're going to unmask him in team meetings more than anybody else because we need him to be part of the proletariat. We need him to be a working stiff like everybody else because we're bigger than all of you. The name in the back and the number on the back, we don't care. We're here to win championships, period, whether you're on the roster or not. So I think that's how Nick's been framed. And now he gets his opportunity to go start to create another team in his likeness and all anybody wants to talk about, all the fans care about, all the sponsors care about, all the media care about, is the dude who says, I'll never play for you again. Trade me right now. Like at a certain point, when people keep throwing picks and players at you, everybody's got a price. You and I are old enough to remember when Wayne Gretzky was literally – the Prince of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and he's 200 points a year and 115 goals. And he's we Nike is in hockey, right? The Edmonton Oilers have Nike jerseys. Like, why did Nike care about hockey? Because because of freaking Wayne Gretzky, he got dealt. Like, everybody's got a price, and at some yeah. point, Nick Casario is going to get this owner's ear to the point where he's like, dude, we can't start a new regime and talk about changing the culture and trying to create this new thing when all anybody cares about is the dude who's not at OTAs, the dude who's not at training camp. Like we're, we're doing this with two arms tied behind our back. Well, I feel like what, what, you know, what you're describing, Jason is really just a perfect storm uh, because that's what is being created right now. I mean, you know, the OTA, you know, the off season program is going to start in a month and then you have three weeks before, you know, the, the, the NFL draft. So you've got seven weeks to make a firm decision. But if you start your OTAs without your star player, 
and really the only star player on the whole the whole team right now. Um, it, it, it like it's going to feel so hollow, and so you know as we get closer and closer to crunch time because it's coming fast. Like you have to be able to make a you you can say we're not fielding any calls, but at some point you have to start fielding calls. You have to you have to cover yourself, and you know if if Nick wants to really do this, and and they did it for twenty years with the hundred ninety ninth pick of the draft. Like in the back of his mind, he was like. We found Tom Brady. We'll find the next one. Right. And, and and we'll take all your assets you want to give us. We'll hold your ransom. We'll take every single player and pick that you want to give us. And let's just do what the Dolphins are doing. You know, what these other teams are doing in this league right now. And let's just build this thing from scratch the way we want to build it. And you, you really, you know, as much as you need that guy to build around, if he's not around – and he's not going to be around, right. uh, then you have to you have to start answering your phones and you have to start listening to what teams might want to do. We've seen, you know, when you, you would know better right off the top of your head here, Jason, but when RG3 was drafted by the Washington football team, what was the compensation? Oh, that, my God. You know, yeah, it was. What, when when the, the New Orleans Saints gave up their draft for Ricky yes. Williams, we have seen – this we have seen Herschel Walker, Baldy Herschel Walker. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's really a, a pretty good you know story to research just the history of what trades have done, good or bad, when it comes to you know what teams are willing to give up for a player. And Deshaun's come is twenty five, is coming off the best year of his career, a horrible team. I mean, there's somebody, whether it you know who the Jets, I mean, whoever it might be. That might be in you know in that sweepstakes right now. Yeah, I I think that this will come to a head before the draft. I think that Casario is going to have to manage his owner, and he's going to have to strip away the emotion, strip away the personal element, me versus him, strip away the idea that I'm not going to kowtow to this guy's wishes. He's not going to hold me hostage, and convince him that hey, all these assets, if you trust me and you hired me because you think I'm good, then let me. You want to dig out of the Bill O'Brien hole? When our third overall pick is in Miami right now because of Laramie, yeah. you know, because he gave up heaven and hell for Laramie Tunsil without having him extended, then let me do it my way. I'm with you. And and I think the team to watch there, because of the owner, is Carolina yeah. and David Tepper. He's the second yeah. richest guy in the league, maybe the richest guy in the yeah. league. He is trying to create a regional brand that extends basically the gulf between, you know, uh the Falcons. And the the Washington football team, right? He wants the Carolinas and maybe Southern Virginia. And where did Deshaun Watson play his ball in South Carolina? Where is this guy building like a $1 billion training facility across the border in South Carolina? He's trying to get a new stadium built um, about a mile and a half from where the current one is. Uh, And Christian McCaffrey's a great player. um, And they've got some rising stars. But this guy cut his teeth as an owner in Pittsburgh when they had a franchise quarterback. He knows what yeah. that looks like. He knows that gets you in the equation. It gets you in the dance most years. And he but doesn't care about it. Just as importantly, and, and you know Tepper better than I do, but more importantly, he wins the offseason. Yes. He wins. Like, there, there's no team. I mean, when the schedule starts to, you know, when Howard Katz and the whole group yes. sit down to start building the schedule, suddenly Carolina goes from, this regional team 
that basically gets seen when I was at Fox, you know, Jason, we get our little regional map about where the right. games went. Right. And they were uh, they they were basically a two percent milk. It right. went you know point to point. It went from Charlotte to Atlanta. That's the only people that saw. Yep. They suddenly become a national franchise that you have to yes. like the way Tampa will be this year. You know they'll be on if the maximum amount of primetime games is five. You know to start the season they'll be on all five. You know and. Yep. You know, just just the way Peyton Manning got a stadium built in Indianapolis, they'll build that stadium around Deshaun Watson. Yep, twenty like you said, twenty five years old, um, already a a brand nationally and especially in that region. He's trying to attract more fans from South Carolina. He's he's trying to expand the reach of that franchise, and I'm told he's fairly. Um, this is a guy who's not used to hearing. This guy has no one's really said no. Not a whole lot of people have said no to David Tepper since he became David Tepper. Yeah. I would not discount the motivation here at all. And and I don't think he cares right now about first round picks because he's going to be willing to spend cash over cap even when the cap starts jumping again. Right. And who doesn't want to come play with Deshaun Watson and in this beautiful look at our beautiful practice facility and look at the stadium we're going to be in in three years or five years or what have you. Um, I think Christian, you want Christian McCaffrey. All right. You want Brian Burns. You want Jeremy Chin and, and a bunch of picks. All right. Well, we'll, we'll buy their replacements. Um, but, but, but pick, you know, it's the eighth pick. So, if Miami trades third overall or whatever, you know, and tech, the Texans want that pick back, the Texans want one of the top three quarterbacks, uh, so be it. He might not be able to compete with that, but I would not discount the Carolina Panthers at all as a suitor for Deshaun Watson. Well, I mean, you make a compelling argument, and I think that that is something we all can kind of start looking at and, and seeing just what kind of – conversations get made. They've got a new general manager in Carolina right now. Uh, you know, some of the uh, behind the scenes networking that has to go on for something like this to take place, because this isn't an overnight deal. This is something where there's hard line negotiations for players, picks, compensation, money, uh, all that, you know, what might get exchanged, yep. you know, for this smart player. Yep. And, and to that end, I would just point out Jack Easterby, um, who I think all football fans know now, um, yeah. who is sort of the guy behind the guy in Houston. And Stephen Drummond, who has just been promoted a couple of times um, since David Tepper took over that franchise, are very close. The Texans were going to interview Stephen Drummond for their team presidency role before he got uh his latest promotion in Carolina, uh, th those two could be back channeling all the time and nobody would know about it. Um, Baldy, we do have free agency opening uh, in, in full voice here in two weeks with the start of the league year. Um, we'll have our, you know, non-tampering, tampering period before then. Uh, I've, I've put my free agency book together and, and kind of broke it down by positions and one area that I'm I'm intrigued by, and you can never have enough pass rushers, and I'm not saying that all the pass rushers on the market are are perfect, right? They have some warts, mm -hmm. age, injury, what have you, but that there's going to be 
a, a wide sort of swath of, of guys available from the Hassan Reddick. Is he a one year wonder? Um, to the Matt Judons, you know what I mean? And is he the jack of all trades or, or does somebody unlock more pass rush out of him coming off the edge? What does mm-hmm. a Melvin Ingram have left in the tank? Um, Carl Lawson, you look at his pressure rates over the second half of the season when I think he was fully healthy again. They're up there with anybody, and boy, the Bengals have holes to fill even with this guy. It, it's an intriguing group. I always think when I look at free agency, I'm looking at, you know, the guys that can just wreck the, the offense, wreck the quarterback, uh, really impact the game. And if you think about the two free agents that did that in this year's Super Bowl, JPP, uh, you know, signed a couple of years ago in Tampa and Shaq Barrett. I mean, they basically set the table for that Super Bowl and taken down, you know, the Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champs. And the league's, you know, the face of the league in, in uh, Patrick Mahomes. And so I look at what Seattle did years ago when they had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and how they just wrecked, you know, yes. a, a couple of Super Bowls, Peyton Manning, and almost wrecking one with, with Tom Brady. And I'm saying this is how – this is what you have to look at. And I think it's a really intriguing group this year where there's a lot of guys. Now, Carl Lawson is my number one – Edge rusher, he was second to T.J. Watt in quarterback hits this year. Uh, he's 26 years old. Uh, he just finished four years, basically in a witness protection program in Cincinnati. Yeah. But if you're, you know, but if you're um, uh, Alejandro Villanueva and you gave up 12 quarterback hits yeah. to Carl Lawson this year, but you get he costs you money. He costs you money. Yeah. So like, so. There's Carson Lawson out there. There's Hassan Reddick. Now, Hassan Reddick was the 13th pick in the draft uh, four years ago at a temple. I, I happen to know him really well. He's straight out of Camden, New Jersey here, uh, right off North Broad Street, Matt Rule's program. And for better part of three and a half years, Jason, he was an off-the-ball inside linebacker, and he was just, you know, he was uh, invisible. Baldy, you could have had him for a seventh-round pick, two straight trade deadlines, if any, but nobody wanted him on the rookie contract making that much money. So, you know, so Chandler Jones goes down. They're like, well, we got to get somebody off the edge. And he goes to where, you know, when Matt Rule basically played him, you know, as an edge rusher. And he came alive and destroyed the New York Giants one afternoon with five sacks and quarterback hits and fumbles and all that. And he put up really big numbers because that's who he is. And so – you know, Hassan Reddick probably doesn't want to leave Arizona um, because they finally figured out this is how you've got to play him. Vance Joseph realizes that now. But if you play him the right way, I think he could be really valuable, really valuable. Now, now that's two guys, but, you know, I mean, there's Leonard Williams who's coming off. I don't know how he didn't make the Pro Bowl. I mean, I don't know if people watched Leonard Williams yeah. this year. But, I mean, he had a fantastic season for the Giants. They were a really good defense, top 10 defense in the league. He was a big part of that. He's really a guy that could play up and down the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Yannick Ngakwe went to Baltimore, didn't do much, didn't uh-huh. do much in Minnesota, but he had four good years in Jacksonville. Romeo Aquara is an interesting yeah. guy. In Detroit. Um, you know, Leonard Floyd had his best year ever with the Rams. I mean, I could go on and on and on about guys that are out there. I didn't even mention Matt Judon or – Melvin Ingram, guys that have 
you know, really had moments and years. But I mean, this this class is really, you know, something to behold. And you just have to like, okay, what is this guy worth? Because I, I want that guy like a Carl Lawson that's going into his second contract that, you know, ha- coming off his best season and 26 years old. I, I want that guy for the next four years. So I think there's those guys out there in this uh, free agent class right now. Baldy, if if Carl Lawson actually hits the market, and even Leonard Williams, and I know they tagged him last year, but if either of those guys hits hits the market, shame on ownership and 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 shame on team management. Um, you look at the Bengals depth chart right now, Baldy. They can't put one together, yeah. right? They're going to cut Geno Atkins. They already got rid of Dunlap. Daniels didn't work out. They gave Reader all that money. He he got hurt. Um, they don't have any linebackers, right? I mean, that, that that's already a hole. William Jackson is up their best corner by far, and it was a bad defense to start with. Like, if they don't slap, and you just gave, you just put a tag on AJ, and he's done. I mean, he was, I mean, he didn't want to be there, and you gave him $18 million for nothing. If they don't tag Lawson, the fans should have an uprising. And with the Giants, Gellerman went on a limb, Traded for this guy when he was a buyer when he should have been a seller. Third round pick, right? Gave him a third round pick. <laughs> Gave up assets for him. Didn't really know how to use him the first year. Tagged him anyway. Unlock him to the point where he would maybe get the biggest non. Well, shoot, none of these quarterbacks are all that. He might get the biggest contract of any NFL player on the open market. And now you're not going to give him a twenty percent raise off of what he did just to secure his rights. That would be bat bleep crazy to me. Well, I thought Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator, you know, uh, under jo- under Father Judge, um, you know, I, I thought that he he unlocked Leonard Williams. Yes. In the way that he used him, the amount of packages that he had, he played a hot. You know, one thing about Big Cat Williams is he he plays every game. He doesn't get hurt. Uh, he's got five years under his belt right now, or or maybe it's six. I forget right now. But, I mean, he basically lines up and plays every down, plays hard, plays the game the right way. And this year, he got to the quarterback. And it wasn't just that. It was against the run. The Giants were a yeah, – they were a vastly improved defense. Uh, you know, bringing in Leonard Williams, you know, bringing in the corners that they brought in. I mean, they, they really filled the holes. To let Leonard Williams go now makes no sense to me. And, Dalvin, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is up. And, you know, they, those three guys inside – Dexter Lawrence, Tomlinson, and Big Cat. I mean, that was the foundation to a really good defense. And that kept him in the games. It got him back into the, you know, into the NFC East race for a good portion of the season. Um, I, I think it would be a huge mistake for the Giants to let him walk. Yeah. I mean, if Tomlinson goes, so be it. Uh, if you can't keep them both, okay. Yeah. But if you let a potential burgeoning freak of nature like Leonard Williams leave after doing all that to get him in the first place, then – I you, you've lost me. Um, you, you've lost me completely. Uh, before we go, Baldy, I, I was working on a column recently and just kind of trying to look at some value free agents, guys. I thought you might be able to get bang for your buck from it. There okay. was a, a few safeties that I kept coming back to. And look, I think Simmons is going to get tagged again by Denver. At least he should. If the Jets don't get something done with Marcus May after, you know, trading, uh, his predecessor Adams to Seattle, then shame on them with all the cap space and, and all the, the payroll they have. But I, I 
came back to a couple of guys, one older, one young. I can't figure out why Trey Boston's available every year, and he seems to be one of these guys who you wait till the second, third wave of free agency, you sign him, and then he exceeds expectations but keeps bouncing around. And Malik Hooker, when he came into the league, I remember Chris Ballard, a guy who wants to build teams from the inside out, deciding, you know what, this secondary I'm inheriting is so bad, and this player you know, has a little bit of Ed Reed in him. And I'm going to build it from the outside in, and I'll eventually get my my big uglies. And and look, he he ends up trading for DeForest Buckner, you know, a few years later. But Malik Hooker looked like he was going to be the anchor to a defensive turnaround there in a pass-happy league. He he, he flashed well early. He's been a get-hurt, stay-hurt guy. But I I feel like if the right team gets him on a prove-it contract and he's in the right secondary – there's still some obvious talent there. Well, I mean, the, the Colts have drafted at that position really well. I mean, you get Kari Willis and you get Julian Blackman, um, and they're their starting safeties yep. right now. And, and when Blackman took over for Malik Hooker in like week two or week three, um, there was an improvement there. Now, Malik Hooker has had injuries, and he, you know, the one year that he had at Ohio State, when he had all the interceptions. I mean, we just haven't seen that range from him. But it's not to say that the talent isn't there. The, the idea about Trey Boston is, is really intriguing. I mean, he's, he's just started 32 straight games for Carolina. He puts up numbers, whether he's with the Chargers, Arizona. Um, he, he tackles well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, look, they, I, I don't know what Carolina's going to do. Just knowing Phil Snow. And knowing Matt Rule, I don't, I don't think they can let him walk. Um, it's just to me, he's just a very, very productive player. Um, and your safeties are your last, last line of defenses. The guy's got 15 career interceptions. They, you know, he gets his hands on footballs as well as tackles well and lines up, you know, every Sunday. So uh, he's had he's had a really good last four years. Uh, if Carolina because of what they just did this past year and the way that they're playing with, with the rookie that they got. Um, I, I just think that somebody would get a really valuable, like the Eagles don't have any money to spend, right. but they need safeties badly um, in, in the worst way. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do in the secondary period, but uh, you know, there's, that's a team that is safety starved right now. So there's, and, and there's a lot of teams like that out there. Um you know, where would Tampa been this year oh. if they didn't draft, you know, Winfield, you know, in this draft? So, uh, you know, you, you it, it's a value, valuable position. And I think Trey Boston is one of those guys that can solidify any secondary right now. Every every once in a while, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we the next time we talk, uh, in all likelihood, free agency will be in full bloom. Um, we'll be in position to talk about uh, a lot of the moves that were made at the very start of the league year in that first wave of, of roster transactions, whether they be trades or signings. We will be with you guys through the entire offseason. We hope you stay with us. Wherever you're listening to this, just hit the little subscribe button. Check us out on Twitter. Give us any feedback. Rate, review us. Um, I am at Jason Lockin4. Baldy is at Baldy. NFL, and uh, I look forward to uh, doing this again soon, my friend. I do too, Jason. Uh, this has this been a lot of fun, and uh, free agency in the draft and trades 
they're all coming down the pike on a daily basis right here. So we got lots to talk about. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Baldy's Breakdowns.